Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to uh, season two, episode four of Best Movie, Worst Movie. Of course, this is the uh, podcast where we take a collection of films, a genre, if you will, and we adjudicate professionally, unequivocally. What are the best movies out of that group and what are the worst movies out of that group? And today we're talking about a relatively small pool, but we're talking about the DCEU. Of course, Birds of Prey is out in theaters right now. We got everybody excited with Black Adam and Shazam 2 and Wonder Woman 84 is coming out here pretty soon. So we thought this would be a good as time as any to talk about the films, of the DCU joining me, of course, as always here on Best Movie, Worst Movie is the one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing, sir? John. It's always great to be doing these podcasts. You know, I even listen to these myself and I think, damn, these are entertaining. (laughs) I'm glad you feel that way. Um, And listen, hey, guess what? The Olympics are getting close. So Cody Miller is not with us today. He's, you know, prepping for the Olympics, Uh, whatever. Uh, So, yeah, he's going to be going for another gold medal over there at the Olympics. But we are so thrilled today to be joined by a buddy of ours. He has worked in this industry for a long time. He teaches us a lot of stuff, too. He is. What did you call him a little bit earlier? Rob, the geeky Santa Claus, geek Santa. I'll tell you He's what, geek Santa. One of my hot toys was actually a gift to me by this guy. We're joined by Mr. Cliff Stevenson. Cliff, it is so good to have you here today. How you doing? Uh, it's great to be here. I've, yeah, I'm, I'm avid listener, and uh, so it's uh, a little surreal to actually be here and be one of the three. Uh, listen, I, I actually I don't want to put you on the spot, but just to give some people a little bit of context uh, of of who you are, what you do. Now, when I first met you. I believe was it Crank Two? It was Pathology. It was Pathology. It was even That's what it was. Because because we are mutual friends with Mark Neville Dean, Brian Taylor, right. who uh, did the Crank movies and who also produced uh, Pathology. And I w- did a set visit for the Pathology. It's a Milo Ventimiglia film. And th- how would you describe what it is you do? Because I always I always trip over my words. But what is it you do uh, for for movies like that? I, I mean, I'm a special features producer. So uh, in in much the same way as my my mentor uh, and uh, uh, inspiration, uh, Rob over here, who <laughs> has done some of the best. Like, here's the thing: the idea oh. that I'm actually friends with Rob and that I've that I've got a a relationship with this guy that I watch his stuff. But basically, you know, you go into a DVD or a Blu-ray or now iTunes, and you're watching special features, whether that's commentaries, documentaries, featurettes, whatever the extra features are. I'm the one that that produces that for certain films, and so. You know, it could be as small as just a quick little five minute thing, which I don't generally love doing, or it could be uh, <laughs> as much as a, a two or two and a half hour doc, which is what my last uh, project was. Well, you have been, I, I hope I'm not, it's, it's okay for me to say, for the last year, you've basically been working on Knives Out with, uh, with yeah. the Ryan Johnson film. You've yeah, been yeah. A long we, time did a, that. we did a two hour documentary for knives out and uh, two commentaries and a featurette. It's, it's a pretty stacked disc, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I love that movie. So it was a lot of fun to be able to immerse myself in, uh, in all things knives out for, for the better part of eight, nine months. 
What are some of the other films you've worked on that, that our audience might be familiar with? Uh, you might be familiar with the first Hunger Games. Yeah. You might be <laughs> familiar with the three Expendables movies or the last two Rambo movies. Um, I did all three seasons of NBC's Hannibal. Great. Discs, oh, that's right. When that's those right. came to disc, I, I did uh, I did various docs and, and commentaries and things for that. So it's, you know, it's funny, and I'm sure Rob can attest to this as well. It's like at a certain point you start forgetting things you've done because they all just start <laughs> to blur together. But you've if, worked a lot with Stallone. You've done a lot of, of Stallone's projects. Yes. Him. That's actually pretty fascinating. And Rob, you've actually, you, I mean, a lot of people who listen to us regularly, they know you've also worked on a lot of that kind of stuff. This is, so I'm kind of the, I'm just kind of geeking out. You guys work on all this, <laughs> this, this high profile, great stuff. But listen, we do have some stuff to get here to, and we are going to talk about the films of the DCEU. Now, of course, as we mentioned, unlike say Marvel, which is 20 plus films in, when you're talking about the DCEU, this is a relatively small pool, admittedly, but some very high profile stuff. The DCEU really got kicked off, of course, with Man of Steel. Uh, then we've also had films since then, Batman versus Superman. We've had Justice League. We've had Wonder Woman. We've had Aquaman. We've had Shazam. We've had Suicide Squad. And we've just recently had Birds of Prey. So we're going to talk here about what we feel out of these ones have been the best that the DCU has had to offer. And unfortunately, what has been the worst. Rob, through an imaginary coin toss in my head, you came up the winner. So let's start off with you and let's start off with the best. What has been to you the prime example of the DCEU getting it right? What has been the best film the DCEU has done? I have to say, and I know that I'm going to catch hell for this online, but I'm going to go with Man of Steel. There I'm going to go. go with Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Now, <clears throat> I, I, Zack Snyder, I have a love hate relationship with as a filmmaker. He remade one of my favorite films of all time, which is George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy to do this? <laughs> I was so vehemently opposed to this movie. I walked into the theater with my arms crossed and a sour expression on my face, ready to walk out, just spitting vitriol against this movie. And you know what? I liked it. Now, do I think it's the genius that Romero's original film is? No. But I really thought what he did with his remake, also written by James Gunn, respectable, interesting. He did some, some, some really fascinating things with it. I liked the way it was directed. I really enjoyed the film, and I was really surprised by it. And Zack Snyder won me over. Then we saw, of course, 300, which I thought was a very credible adaptation of the source material. Uh Watchmen, which he took on, obviously he spent so much time and effort trying to get it right, and I really respected his effort. I didn't love the adaptation of The Watchmen. Yeah, neither did I. But Man of Steel, I looked at what he did with Man of Steel, and of course, I, I'm a longtime, as you know, John, DC Comics reader. I thought Man of Steel was an incredible sci-fi first contact story that also was about Superman. And like a great DC Elseworlds comic, I thought it was a unique take. It was an interesting take. I was fascinated by it. And this idea that in the film, Clark Kent Kal-El doesn't know anything about himself or his extraterrestrial heritage. He, he, he's he got about a week of knowledge of this when suddenly the uh, outlaws from Krypton descend to Earth to wage a cosmic battle for world supremacy. 
and he doesn't know who he is or what he is. And, and I really liked that. It was a different take. Was it, was it something everybody wanted? Apparently not. But I really thought that it was lyrical. I love the way it looked. I love the way it felt. It was an unexpectedly different take. Uh, and it had, there was, there was a mythic quality. And there's a moment in that movie where Superman saves the workers on the oil derrick and he's floating in the ocean yeah. and like a whale comes up to him. And I was really moved by this. I'm like, this is a moment that could only have happened in a Superman movie, but this is the first time I'm seeing it in one. And there's all this controversy about whether he should have killed Zod. Superman is facing, and he's been Superman for a week. It's not like he was in the Fortress of Solitude like Christopher Reeve was for 12 years learning all of the knowledge. And when it was over, I I found myself, really, I was transported. My thoughts were provoked. And I enjoyed the film a great deal. And it got a lot of, of hate. But I found myself loving that film. And in my mind, that was, it felt like there was real authorship there and Zack Snyder was bringing us what he wanted. And I felt that he did, uh, he was successful. I, I will tell you what, I might as well go next year because this is the the biggest non-spoiler of everything. Everybody knows what my favorite DCU movie is. So it's no surprise. So I might as well get out of the way. Oh, hell yes. It's Man of Steel. That movie. <laughs> listen, I have said this for years. It is a masterpiece of the genre. Of the comic book genre, it is a masterpiece and a master class in telling a mythological tale of the Superman. It is amazing. And you're right. It was a unique take on Superman that we had not seen attempted before because it actually tried to look at what would happen if you had a man who always knew he was not fit. He did not fit in. There was something different about him to suddenly find out he is of alien heritage has a dead long lost father. He's got, there's a spaceship there with a, his clothes in the closet. Just wait. I mean, how would that be? Now the Christopher Reeves, Superman, all due respect to that movie because it's an all time classic, of course, but that glosses over that element of it so easily and so quickly. And this man is troubled and see, like trying to figure out who and what he is in, in the span of that. And I thought for a modern interpretation of Spider-Man or Spider-Man of Superman, and how would a real person in that with, with the type of upbringing that that person had with his Pa Kent, you know, his dances with wolves, Pa Kent in the, in the ethics instilled into him by that man, how would he deal with that? And how would it affect him? How would he struggle with it? Because the struggle has really never been a part of the Superman mythos far, very, very much. Until we got Brian Singer's um, uh, Superman Returns, there was clearly elements of struggle there. But this was a struggle about his identity in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And within this telling of the mythology, there were such great, I love it when a movie can connect with the audience emotionally and get us feeling empathic about it. There's a scene, There's a, first of all, there's several scenes, but there's a scene in this movie that quite possibly is in my top 20 favorite movie scenes in history. And it's, it's it plays in the trailer. We all know it, you know, when understanding that he's different, you know, the kid says to Pac Ken realizing he's not his biological son. Can't we just keep pretending that I'm your son? 
And first of all, that line by itself makes me want to break seeing a child crying out for some sense of security to who is this parental parental figure now not even say, can't we pretend I'm your son? And the way that Kevin Costner, who I believe is criminally underrated for the way he plays this character, the way he tries to strongly, yet while breaking, says to him, God, just the inflection of his voice gets me emotional. He says, you are my son as he gathers him into his arms. I fuck you if you don't like that scene. That is one of the greatest scenes uh, ever. And I remember because it's at that moment that the movie, I was fascinated by the mythology of it right from seeing Russell Crowe as, as Jor-El. And that, that's interesting and fascinating, blah, blah, blah. But it's that moment that I got emotionally invested in the movie. And then throughout the movie, we keep having parts of that where he's reflecting on who he is, on what he is. And again, Rob, you nailed it. People keep forgetting that this guy only knew what he was for about a week and had really only been Superman for about 24 hours. When all of a sudden, these lifelong military dudes from Krypton show up and people like to think or pretend that Superman had some kind of say as to where will this fight take place and how will it take place? Oh, Superman shouldn't have had the fight in the city. He really didn't have a say in the matter. No. You know, and by the way, he was also getting his ass kicked left, right and center every time he would turn around. And again, uh, you're right. There was so much controversy over him killing Zod. But I thought what Zack Snyder did was he very accurately and with like t- stone cold, solid foundation set the fact that this Superman in this particular set of circumstances literally had no choice. It was either kill Zod or Zod, who had just clearly allowed it to him, by the way, I'm going to get out of this hold and then I'm going to kill everybody on this planet and there's nothing you can do. I mean, he literally set up a circumstance and put the Superman in and then showing that he wasn't tone deaf to the situation. Zack Snyder also did a great moment where upon killing Zod, Superman didn't stand up, put his hands on his waist and go, ha ha, I have good as triumph over evil. No, he lets out this visceral, guttural, pain-filled scream because he hated what he had to just do. And I think so many people just gloss over that because my feeling in this, and this is just because I've heard people say this themselves, people went into this Superman wanting to see the 1960s, gosh golly ma'am, I'll get your kitten out of the tree, and thank you for sharing some of that apple pie. That's the Superman they were expecting. But Zack Snyder faced an incredible challenge of bringing that Superman saying, what would have happened if that happened now? If this if this spacecraft landed in some Kansas field today, and how would that look like and feel while still maintaining the true ethics and the beliefs and the core values of who and what Superman is? And I thought he did an amazing job of it. To me, Man of Steel is not just the best of the DCEU. It is one of the best comic book movies. I, I just love this movie, so I am unapologetic about it. So anyway, yeah, for me, it ends up being Man of Steel. Cliff, time for you to ring in here. For As you look at the DCU <clears throat> films, the films they've offered us at this point, what's the best DCEU film? All right, so when you when you told me the this, this subject, what we were going to be discussing today, the thing that immediately went into my head was, oh, it's going to be the same film. It's going to be the same film for all three, because... I saw Man of Steel with Rob. So really? So we were we 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 were at the village and we went like opening 10 o'clock, whatever it was, show. And so I knew, and I wish the people the people listening can't 
they don't they don't get this. But as I watch Rob talk about it, there is a giant Henry Cavill Superman that is looking that's, down that's on him right. lovingly that's as right. he. For those of you who don't know, in the studio, the I got a giant Henry Cavill Superman standy in the corner. That's right. I've never seen Superman look on somebody with so much love uh, as as Rob <laughs> bestows the virtues of this film. But uh, uh, yeah, Man of Steel by a mile, by by a million miles, because. The thing about Man of Steel and, and to both of your points, the other thing to remember is that this movie is coming off of the Dark Knight trilogy, the, the Christopher right, Nolan movie. Yeah. So you you kind of can't go back like in a way that Superman Returns, which I also really love. But that's a whole different universe. And it's mm -hmm. a very stylized universe and it's a very throwback universe, whereas you're coming off of these three Christopher Nolan Batman movies. You can't do that, Superman. It just, it doesn't work. The audience has evolved beyond that kind of, uh, of emotional preparedness. Uh, and you, you were talking about the Kevin Costner thing and, and his role as, as Jonathan. And my takeaway was always in watching this movie, the, to me, what this whole movie is about is Jor-El made his son a god Jonathan made his son a man. I love that. And I love that. He, he, he basically, the entire movie is him grappling with who am I? I don't have any, you have that great scene early on where he's, he's starting to get, you know, it's almost like a, a puberty allergy allegory where he's, he's getting his powers. He doesn't understand them. He doesn't know what's going on with them. You know, uh, Martha has to come to the school because clearly there's something going on with Clark. And that's another thing we've never seen in a Superman movie. I love that. By we've, the way. we've never seen him kind of freak out and not know what's going on with his own body, with these powers. They're not. And, and if you don't have anybody that is like you, that you have no frame of reference to know what you're even going through. And no one knew. No. His parents didn't know. His mom came to help him. But even his mother was like, I don't know what's happening. Right. And so you you have this kind of internal struggle within him just to find out who his identity was. And I don't think him becoming Superman, which I don't think do they, they never even say Superman in the movie. It's not even a like somebody starts to say something, don't they? Like one of the. Yeah, I mean, it might not be until like, Batman versus Superman it, that they, it, yeah. that it's actually, I, I haven't even thought of it. In the, I haven't thought of that before. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, which I guess sort of also plays in line with the Man of Steel title that he's not Superman. He doesn't know he's Superman. Nobody knows he's Superman. This is a, this is a whole, and he seems reluctant about all of it and, and really only takes it on. And I love that scene at the church where oh, he's, yeah. where he's talking with the priest and, and, you know, I love the, the, the kind of flashback nature of it, where all of these moments in his life are, are the things that, that he keeps having to go back to, to explain why he has to do certain things and, and why he has to become who he becomes. And so, so to me, you know, I've had a, a million arguments with people that, that just for whatever reason, despise this movie. And I can sort of come away explaining every single complaint they have and going, no, 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 like, look at it like this. And, and you, you start to see the layers underneath it. I've never understood the vehement, uh, dismissal or hatred of this movie by a large a large member of the fan base i'm like did we see the same movie it, it, it's very interesting to me because this movie basically like you said you made a really good point about it coming off of the nolan batman trilogy yeah. and it, it's firmly set in that world i mean they clearly were thinking that the superman that is introduced 
And, and I always thought that it would it, the Superman is introduced after the Nolan Batman trilogy. Like like the the Batman existed in that world, and that kid probably grew up hearing, hearing about Batman in Gotham City. But I've never understood even fa- fans that do they love this movie. Do they? Why don't they love this movie? Because, like you were just pointing out, that scene in the church. There's so many heartfelt moments of real meaning, but nobody understands. They seem to forget that Superman isn't like you just pointed out. Isn't really Superman in this movie yet? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's things he does when he's having the fight with with the Kryptonians in Smallville, where they basically just destroy uh, Main Street on Smallville. There's things he's doing that he's not even fully in control of that are just sort of happening. And it's, it's almost this unbridled rage of, you know, protecting his mother because yeah. they threatened his mother. Um, and also coming up against somebody equal in power to him or, or actually several people equal in power to him. Um, and the other thing that I don't think this movie gets the credit for is the action in it is really good. Oh, it's awesome. And I think it's awesome. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Zack Snyder was coming off of, um, oh, what's the name of the movie? Owls of Gaul? No, no, no. The, the, the Sucker Punch? Sucker, Sucker Punch. Punch. That was it. And, and people being like, oh, take take Zack Snyder off of Superman. You know, the of Man of Steel. The Sucker Punch is terrible. And I was like, you know what? If you watch Sucker Punch, the thing that I, that I realized that I was like, I think we're going to be okay is Zack Snyder does action in a way that is always coherent. It is always easy to follow. You don't get lost in the choreography. It's not quick cuts. It's not it's shaking the camera all over the, like he's very good at establishing action geography. And he creates a lot of action in this movie that really, really, really works well. And especially, as I said, coming off of these three Dark Knight movies where we've now come to a certain expectation of what this universe is going to be, it has to be you know, punching in the sky and, and kind of this mass destruction that these powers would unleash. And that those sequences, by the way, we'd never seen that depicted in that way before. And it was terrifying, you know, for the first time, you know, Superman action and Superman movies is always kind of uplifting and whoosh. But in that movie, you realized if you had two Kryptonians battling in an American city, how horrific and apocalyptic that kind of a conflict would actually be. And it wouldn't be fun for anyone. It wouldn't be clean. It wouldn't be sanitized. And one of the other things, I'm glad you brought that up, Cliff, because something else about Zack Snyder in his action, particularly in Man of Steel, is that I have always kind of go, I love good act. Everybody knows I love good action in movies, but I've always said this. Action without narrative purpose is visual noise. I just, I just kind of believe that. So you look at a lot of the action, some of the action in Transformers is very good, but a lot of the action in Transformers is just utter, utter static, like visual noise. Right. It's, it's metal clanging on metal. Yeah. And for, for many times you don't even know why it's happening. When you look at return of the Jedi and the emperor's throne room scene and the fight between Vader and Luke story was being played out within the action itself, which is why I loved it. And when you look at man of steel, Well, that's one of the things that Zack Snyder did exceedingly well in there is that in all this incredibly visceral, you know, crowd pleasing action, he's also 
unraveling narrative. He's actually telling story as all these things are happening within it. And that's one of the things I really appreciated about, about the movie so much. So it is a sweep, ladies and gentlemen, across the board here. Doesn't happen often, but it is a sweep across the board. All three of us, Rob, myself, and Cliff, all leaning in towards Man of Steel as being the best of the DCEU. Which means Man of Steel is actually the correct answer. Yeah, you know, which so, means that is. Now we've now established that. The correct, and by the way, let's take nothing away from Patty Jenkins' incredible uh, outing in Wonder Woman. She did a fabulous job in that and, and others as well. It's just that I think Man of Steel really stands as a uh, paramount of that. All right. Let's now move into the worst. If Man of Steel is the best example of how good the DCU can be, that means there's got to be an equal and opposite. And I don't know that we're going to come across a sweep across the board here. So I'll start off this one. I'll start off with, with the negatives on this. Now, it should be mentioned that I am actually, to certain degrees, some more than others, I'm a fan of all the DCU movies. Uh, I like them all. I even like Suicide Squad. It's a, it's a hot mess of a movie. And I certainly have issues with it. I really do. But at the end of the day, the fun stuff in it kind of outweighed the negative stuff. So I walked out liking it. So, so that's me. At least I did like all the DCEU movies until the most recent one. I did not like Birds of Prey. I, I, I think Birds of Prey, I'm putting forward Birds of Prey as the worst of the DCU. And here's the interesting background story of that it was a movie that to me, I never understood why it was even being made. And I never thought it was a great idea. The trailers did not stand out to me. But then all of a sudden we started hearing some pretty decent critic reviews coming out about it, like almost as good as Wonder Woman's reviews. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this is because I love Margot Robbie and I certainly like her as Harley Quinn. I love Ewan McGregor. And oh, there are very few laws of men that I wouldn't break for Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. I mean, very few laws of men I would not break for her. Um, so, all right. So I go into with a with a massively adjusted set of expectations. And while there are certainly good moments in this film, while there are certainly good moments of this film, this film was utterly meaningless. It was an utterly meaningless film filled with utterly meaningless characters, at least characters who could have been filled with a lot of meaning, but that in the end, and unfortunately, without them allowing, they didn't allow Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn to actually get any, there was more depth to her character when she was a side character in Suicide Squad than there was in her own titular movie. And let's be honest, this movie is not Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation One Harley Quinn. This movie is Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. That's that's what this movie is. Um, and again, I liked Ewan McGregor in it. Some of the action's pretty good. Some of it was just ridiculous and just just stupid. There were so many logic holes. Logic in a comic book movie, John? Like I said earlier, I'm fine with a movie telling us its world's logic is different than ours. That's fine. Just then be consistent with what you say is logic in your world. And I find that this movie just broke all sorts of laws with that. And at the end, I just kind of walked out of that movie feeling something I never felt walking out of any other DCU film, which was empty. I, I just literally felt like I just passed the time. I went into that movie and I just passed a couple of hours and that was about it. It was a missed opportunity. I thought they could have done something great, but at the same time, it, it was a supporting character of a supporting character. You know, Jack Joker is a supporting character of Batman, but Harley Quinn is a supporting character of Joker. So you've gone a couple of levels deep here, but still potential of great things you could have done. I walked out disappointed. Like I said, it was, I didn't walk out of Justice League feeling empty. 
I didn't walk out of Suicide Squad feeling empty. I didn't walk out of Wonder Woman, I, but I walked out of Harley Quinn feeling empty. Uh, I think that's what is it. And it's the first DCU movie that I straight up said. Now, I don't hate this movie, but it's the first DCU movie I walked out going, eh, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And that's unfortunate. So for me, my proposal is Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, or Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, depending on you know whose version of the title you want to listen to. Cliff, I got a feeling we're not going to sweep the board on this one, but um, no, because I saw I saw Birds of Prey twice, and so I actually <laughs> liked it more than Suicide Squad. I was like, oh, this is the movie I wanted last time, and oh, I kind of got it. Let's so, so clearly, it's not going to be that. But you might no. just tip your hand. But to you. You've said Man of Steel is the best example of what the DCU can be. What is the worst example of what the DCU can be? All right. So having just discussed how much I love Man of Steel, you can only imagine how excited I was for Man of Steel 2. (laughs) And you can only imagine how disappointed I was when Man of Steel 2 slowly kind of sort of morphed into this thing that became Batman v Superman. Uh, for me, it's Batman v Superman, and it's it's the only movie I've ever gone to see. And we, you know, I was I was sort of there opening night. Let's see what they're doing. It's the only movie I've ever gone to see where, as I was watching it, I was mentally re-editing it, going, <laughs> "This scene doesn't belong here. Why is this happening here? This should have happened over there." Like I literally just kind of checked out narratively because of how structurally flawed I found the movie. And, and my, my great problem with, with Batman V Superman is it's not a movie. It is a two and a half hour trailer for a justice league movie. Mm. And it is all set up for some other movie, which I don't necessarily think we ever really got, but that, that, that is a movie that stops dead to introduce things that it has no business introducing for a movie that they wanted to get. And and I feel like DC's big problem has been, they clearly saw what Marvel did and they were like, oh, they have an Avengers. We have an Avengers. We've got Justice League. And then they went about reverse engineering this franchise to the point where you're like, yeah, well, Marvel took five years and however many movies, I think, six or seven movies before they got to Avengers. You guys are trying to leapfrog all that work and get straight to justice league without having to do the character interaction introductions that are necessary in order for us to care about an Avengers or a justice league. And so to me, Batman V Superman feels like a movie that was studio noted to death that has scenes in it that are, I mean, the, it, and there's just there's so many logic things where he's emailing her photos of herself and but you can, you know it's Wonder Woman but but they still think it's this great reveal at the end and there you know there's all these elements to it where he's emailing her quick times of like all the other and it's Bruce Wayne so there's got to be a dick pic in there at some point right, they just, right they just exactly that out of the movie and so all this stuff and and I feel really bad because I feel like Henry Cavill who had just come off of this great Superman movie is sort of ready and braced and it's like okay now we get to get we've done the introduction we've set up the character we've established everything let's get in and and, and do Man of Steel 2 and then it's kind of stolen from him in a movie that really becomes more about Batman than it is about Superman. Yeah. And and by the way, 
I love Ben Affleck as Batman. That's to me, that's the best part of, of the movie is all the Batman stuff. But it, it it's also shoehorned in. And it's this is the only time I've ever done this. When the when the extended version came out, like the three hour cut that had all of the, the stuff called in, the, the ultimate, the ultimate, it's called the ultimate, ultimate edition. And uh, I, I was like, oh, great. Uh, this was going to fix all of my problems with this movie. And it's like, well, no, they added a bunch of stuff in that definitely makes more sense and definitely helps all these things. But then they just kind of left all the dumb shit in. And I was like, why? Mm. Like, why not take that stuff out? And so I took the movie. I brought it in. And I completely re-edited it. To which is, by the way, my favorite cut of the movie. Your 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 cut of the movie, which you affectionately refer to as the, the Arkham Edit. Cut, the Arkham Edit is my favorite version of Batman yeah. versus Superman. It, it's it's I, I like and 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 I would also say that that version isn't even as good as it probably could have been because I'm dealing with whatever element I had, which was the Blu-ray at the time. So, you know, I'm tr- I was also trying to make it so it was like you know things flowed naturally and you didn't have abrupt music cuts and things like that. But to me, that was like, take everything out. And so I I was able to take a three hour movie and cut it down to about two hours and 40 minutes, which is not that much longer than what the theatrical cut was just to sort of see if I could do it because it's, yeah, it's the only movie that I've ever watched where I immediately was like, why are they, why are they going here? Like, why are they doing this? Why, why are they referencing something that's totally meaningless to this story? Um, and so that's, you know, that was a great discipline because all the other movies, whether I liked them or I don't think I've since Man of Steel, I don't think I've loved any of the, the DCEU movies. Um, like even Wonder Woman, I was sort of, I liked it, but I kind of felt like it was a, it was a, 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 a phase one Marvel movie in a world that had already gone to phase three, um, <laughs> where I was like, yeah, it's about as good as like first Avenger, but you know, so, but for a DC movie, it was like, oh my God, it's amazing. Like they finally unlocked the formula, but, but Batman V Superman is, is the one of those movies that I just was like, wow, <laughs> you really whiffed it on this one. And, uh, you know, you bring up something that a lot of people were, were upset because there were, there are other people out there who appreciated Man of Steel and were just really looking forward to Man of Steel too. And, you know, they announced Man of Steel 2, and then that kind of morphed in, into something else. And again, it did give us my favorite iteration of Batman I've ever seen on the big screen. Not that I think that Batman versus Superman was better than, say, The Dark Knight. Not at all. I've just always really appreciated that that incarnation of Batman that Ben Affleck gave us. All right, Rob, we move over to you now. You were with us on uh, Man of Steel being the best. What is the worst example of a DCU film? Well, first of all, Cliff, I, I want to say that everything you said about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, I agree with. However, after I watched the ultimate cut and I found a lot of it disappointing, I have no idea why they're referring to apocalypse or or dark side in that movie, the nightmare sequence. I'm like, what? Why is this in this movie? There's a lot. Everything you said is absolutely correct. However, when I watched the ultimate edition of the film, there is still Zack Snyder still creates. There's a mythic quality to his presentation of all three Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in the film that I liked. Now, there's a lot of goofiness. Why is, let's put Doomsday in there. Why not? Like you said, let's lead up to Justice League. Uh, But there's something about Batman v Superman I enjoy. Even the opening sequence when we see the end of Man of Steel retold through Bruce Wayne's eyes. Amazing. Love that scene. 
seeing more apocalyptic destruction from the man on the street, even though it's Batman. It's horrific, apocalyptic, and I really so there's stuff in Batman v Superman that I watch and I I still like, even though it's a mess. But I wanted to see a Justice League movie my entire life. <laughs> and I think if anybody is blamed for the failure of both Batman v Superman and Justice League, it's Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, the studio brass had no clue. There was no figurehead like Kevin Feige who understood how to manage these properties. Because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they completely had um, an unrealistic expectation of what they could expect. And by the way, Batman v Superman made like 800 plus million dollars, but they spent 450 million or something on it. So they expected a billion dollar gross. And they were disappointed. So I think midstream Justice League was in production. They decided they wanted to make a change or whatever. And everything that they were building up to, obviously, you look at the trailers for Justice League, which I was psyched about. I wanted Justice League was my jam when I was a kid. My mom used to buy me the monthly comics off spindle racks. And I had a almost a, a run of like Justice League 95 to 300. I love Justice League. And I thought that film... They got rid of Zack Snyder, and I know he had a family tragedy, but the movie essentially was pretty finished. You could tell by the trailers there's a lot more to that movie than we ever saw. And when I saw that film, and it opens with Superman, Henry Cavill in an iPhone video with his erased mustache because <laughs> it was a Joss Whedon. They brought it. They got rid of Zack Snyder midstream. They brought in Joss Whedon, who had directed the Avengers and Age of, Avengers Age of Ultron. And the first thing that shows up is this weird mutant Henry Cavill Superman because they digitally erased the mustache. He was not going to contractually shave when he was shooting Mission Impossible. Uh, Rogue Nation. Was it Rogue Nation or Fallout? Fallout. And I, I'm i like, this is – it begins with a horrific Frankenstein version of Superman. And the rest of Justice League was, I thought, a visionless, ridiculous mishmash I mean, I thought Suicide Squad was barely watchable, but Justice League to me was whether you like Zack Snyder's vision, there was a vision and that vision was completely destroyed because of studio executives balking at what was going on, second guessing themselves, not having a plan, not understanding. And what we were, what we were given was a stick stitched together Frankenstein monster of a film that is only watchable because those characters, all the casting, I thought, even Gal Gadot, people talked about her acting prowess. I thought everybody fit those roles so well. Uh, the scene, you know, you came in on the King's Tide when, when Bruce Wayne meets Arthur Curry, meets Aquaman. I love those scenes in the trailers and I even like them. None of the scenes breathe. You don't get to enjoy any moments in Justice League because when you're enjoying them, they're taken away because they have to get to the next scene. And no, we're not going to let this movie be three hours. The pacing is all over the place. And this is a movie that I feel is continual, continually just when I'm enjoying it. It punches me in the face to remind me, fuck you, Rob. We're not going to let you love this movie. This movie is such a mess and we're going to take away we're going to take away Ezra Miller's flash, his subplots with his father and everything that was going on. We're going to take away Cyborg, who I love from the Teen Titans because I grew up with Perez and Wolfman's Teen Titans. I was so happy to see Cyborg. You don't get to learn any of his backstory or how he became Cyborg. It was all ridiculous shorthand and they didn't understand it. And Steppenwolf even is this second rate villain when they're teasing Darkseid and Batman v Superman. I'm like, what is this gobbledygook? And it ends in a room 
with Steppenwolf in Russia and we're doing and nothing has any verisimilitude. And it just seemed to me that that uh, someone threw a superhero pie in my face and it was a movie I wanted to see my whole life. And I have to tell you, I saw it once in the theater. I didn't I couldn't believe it. I did not buy the Blu-ray or the 4K disc. I don't own it. And I tried watching it on cable and I turned it off after five minutes. And I, it was a movie I waited my whole life to see, love the characters, bought the hot toys, but man, do I hate that film. I think I saw it <laughs> six or seven times in theaters, <laughs> I, but, but I mean, a lot of what you said, I actually, I, I actually agree with. I mean, to me, Ezra Miller's flash, uh, one of my favorite moments in the DCU, actually, um, th- there's a moment where Superman, the most, you know, recently resurrected has Batman by the throat and says, uh, it's a gray line. It says, you won't let me live. You won't let me die. I'm like, oh shit. I love it. Like, but you're, you're, there's a lot of people, dude. There were a lot of people who were so, because a lot of mistakes were made in that movie. Well, you know, a lot of it, mistakes were made in that movie. The thing is, what was really interesting is Zack Snyder, Kirk, clearly had a plan for Superman. He had a journey that he was going to take him on and take him through death and death and bring him back to life. And, and we didn't get that. We didn't get, we had, you know, they locked into Snyder's vision. Justice League was filming before Batman V Superman came out and they didn't commit. The studio did not commit and give Zack Snyder the help that he deserved. And you need a studio to help you. And they were second guessing him even when they were making Batman v Superman. And that was a big mistake. You're either in or you're out. And there was a trilogy that was being made there. And they made Batman v Superman. They had to cut it down. We didn't get until we saw the ultimate cut that was at least palatable. It wasn't perfect, but it certainly was better than what we got in the theater. Oh, absolutely. And, and, uh, and then I was hoping Justice League would bring that same mythical painterly quality. Even the color palette of Justice League is totally different from what Zack Snyder was doing. And I just feel, boy. Well, and it's bizarre because you have, you know, Justice League is coming after Wonder Woman and still in a weird way feels tonally disconnected from from that film where, yeah. where Gal Gadot is. is it's like, is, is that the same character? Because it doesn't feel like, I mean, Ben Affleck just seems bored to be there um so yeah i can't you watch watch him do the press oh yeah right i mean he was he was checked out yeah he was so checked out uh so yeah i can't disagree with anything you've said either (laughs) all right guys so listen just to sum it up here when it comes to the best movies of the dcu we uh we are unanimous across the board all of us there can be only one There can be only one it is of course man of steel and when it comes to the worst we have three different opinions we got myself going with birds of prey we got cliff going with batman versus superman we've got rob going with justice league so we ultimately now put it to you guys like what do you think were the best of the dcu what do you think were the worst of the dcu why don't you send drop us some messages on twitter to let us know what you think you can find me on twitter of course simply at john campy real simple uh rob where can they send you their opinions uh you can find me on twitter at burnett rm find me on instagram at robert meyer burnett or my own youtube channel the burnett work and my show rob observations the show about something and of cliff thanks so much for being here today man and, and sitting in for this and if people want to fire you off a note about what they think of best and worst 
Where can people uh, find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at John Campia or at uh, <laughs> Burnett RM because I'll probably be outside choking the life out of social media. Okay, they're very good. It's just that simple. You know what? If you got a message for, for yeah, Cliff, send it to me. Guys. I'll, I'll, I'll pass it on. Hey, guys, listen, that'll do it for us for uh, this week's installment of Best Movie, Worst Movie. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Make sure you subscribe, of course, on your podcast app of choice and become a Best Movie, Worst Movie evangelist. Start telling other people about it. Come on in and join us. And by the way, guys, if you've got a topic you'd like to hear us cover on Best Movie, Worst Movie, why don't you drop me a line on Twitter, simply at John Campia, and let us know what uh, what topic of films you'd like to hear us cover next. On the next episode of uh, Best Movie, Worst Movie, we're going to be talking about, dun-dun-dun, going back 10 years, we're going to be talking about the films of 2010. Make sure you guys come in and join us for that next week. All right, guys, that'll do it for us for now. Thank you so much for being here and making this podcast your part of your day. My name's John. Until next time, bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.